A podcast we'd like you to check out is Two Girls, One Film. Amelia, the loser, and Rose, who made me call her that, watch one film and discuss said film as well as other non-related topics. Cocktails are involved. You can find Two Girls, One Film on SoundCloud. Just look for Two Girls, One Film. It could work. It happens. I just want to know who it works out for. You give me one example of somebody that we know. Cinder fucking Rella. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, Steve and I climb into an expensive sports car, and we get lost on the way to our hotel, and we see a classic movie on the side of the road, and we stop to get directions from it. And if, through our questioning, we determine that this classic movie is truly a classic, then we invite it into our car, we bring it back to the hotel room, we we have sex with it, (laughs) (laughs) And, and then we have a bunch of romantic adventures, and then I guess we eventually marry it or something. Right? Yeah, I guess. Keep going with me on this. Yes, and we live happily ever after with the movie. That's right. But sometimes we're driving down Hollywood Boulevard and we see a movie up there that's... Oh, it's seen a lot. It's seen bad days on the streets. It's not doing well. But we still, we drive up and we, we take a look at it and we go, Hey, hey. Uh, and we ask you questions and we ride it into the car. And, and if it turns out that it's just truly awful, we just kick it out of the car while we're still in motion. And we drive off at the sunset... Slowly, just continuing unchanged to make money. Steve, I need help. Have you, you've you've become lost in the metaphor, my friend. I've become lost in the metaphor. Here's what we do: Steve and I take a classic film, a film that's either well loved or well hated, and we give it a fresh review to see if it holds up to the criticisms that have been leveled against it, whether those criticisms are good or bad. And this time around, Steve and I are entering into unfamiliar territory because it's a genre of film that I don't think either one of us like very much, right, Steve? Mm, not, not so much. We're not <laughs> huge fans, but we're going to take a look at that, uh, that uh, insightful film about um, economic disparity mm. and what people will do to um, gain wealth and notoriety in, in a country that prizes wealth above all else. Steve and I are taking a look at the romantic comedy Pretty Woman. Yep. We sure are. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> now, for uh, some people who don't know, Pretty Woman is one of two films that a lot of people... Um, feel is responsible for a resurgence in the romantic comedy genre. It had disappeared, for better or worse, for almost <laughs> forty years, uh, twenty years through the seventies and eighties. There weren't a whole lot of, of, of romantic comedies, and then uh, this movie came out, and Harry Met Sally came out at around the same time, and then we've been stuck with this genre ever since. Yes, yes. So before I get into the who made it and who I'm going to want to send letter bombs to, uh, uh, who uh, put the money up and who acted in it, um, anything you want to add to Pretty Woman's I just I just want to say I was only 10 when this movie came out, so think about the tragedy of that. I didn't get to enjoy more than 10 years 
of the rom- <laughs> the romantic comedy free existence, and then oh boy, I did. I know I got to go through high school without having to go to a single one. Uh, and then fucking on Gary Marshall had to ruin everything. Just like he ruined television. Oh, God. Yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> ruining TV wasn't enough, was it, Gary? <laughs> All right. Okay, let's talk about. Let's those, rip this bandaid off. You ready? The geniuses that made the... this film. Yeah. Okay. It was directed by Gary Marshall. Don't know who Gary Marshall is? He's the guy who brought us such original TV shows as The Odd Couple and Happy Days. And uh, Me and the Chimp. Remember that one, Steve? (laughs) Oh, boy. It's a classic. He's also the uh, phenomenal auteur director of such movies as Overboard (laughs) and uh, Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, and Mother's Day. And, oh, look forward to his other romantic comedy films, Veterans Day. (laughs) (laughs) 9-11 Day of Remembrance? <laughs> 9-11 Day of Remembrance Day? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Gary Marshall uh, started in TV and uh, then moved to movies, and I wish he would move uh, back to TV briefly on his way down to wherever he came from because <laughs> uh, I don't want to see anything made by him ever again. Right? <sighs> yeah. The Odd Couple is great. Don't get me wrong. I love The Odd Couple. The original one with Jack Klugman and Tony, Tony Randall. Randall. Yeah, he should have just retired there. You quit while you're ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie was produced by Arnon Milchen, Stephen Ruther, and Gary W. Goldstein. Written by L. F. Lawton. Um, I just want to interject. This movie, although it is a romantic comedy, was originally written as a drama, a dark drama. About a dude who picks up a prostitute for a week, and the script was called $3,000, was the original name of it. And then along the line, someone reading this dark drama about a drug-addicted prostitute and a rich guy, someone said, hey, let's turn it into a romantic comedy. Does that sound like a great idea? <laughs> but let's not write any jokes. <laughs> So uh, hopefully uh, no one else gets that idea. Otherwise, someone's going to make a movie called, uh, I don't know, Crystal Knock, the romantic <laughs> comedy. <sighs> okay, it's starring, ready? Let's do Julia it. Julia Roberts in her great big first, this is the movie that everyone went, holy crap, it's Chris, it, it's Julia Roberts. She had been in like, I think only one other movie before that it was like Mystic Pizza. Yeah. Which was like a sleeper indie kind kind of hit. Um, also, Richard Gere, um, turning in his best performance ever as a plank of wood. <laughs> Ralph Bellamy. Oh, Ralph! Tragically, his last performance. Was it really? I think so. Yeah, I think this is his last oh. on-screen appearance. Jason Alexander, Laura Sangiacomo, and Hector Elizondo. Hector, please do something good again. (laughs) (laughs) Music by James Newton Howard. Cinematography by Charles Minsky. Edited by uh, Raja Gosnell and Priscilla Ned. Production company Touchtone Pictures slash Silver Screen Partners 4. 
Well, I'm so glad we got the fourth one. <laughs> I don't know what happened to Silver Screen Partners 1 through 3. We Distributed by Buena Vista Pictures. That's right. This fun time movie about a rich guy hiring a prostitute for a week is a Disney film. Yay. I wonder why they never came up with uh, Pretty Woman the Ride in <laughs> Disney World. How would that work exactly? I, I don't know. <laughs> release date it was released on March 23rd 1990 running time 119 minutes it was budgeted at 14 million hey Steve how much do you think the movie made too much <laughs> damn right it made 463 million dollars. Oh, that's so it was a holy crap, that's a lot of money. And every studio in the world went, Hey, how about for the next 20 to 25 years, we try to recreate that again and again with a whole bunch of romantic comedies that just get fucking worse and worse every year? We keep trying to make them. (laughs) And they did, and here we are. <laughs> here we are now. <sighs> All right. Yeah. So, Steve? Uh, yeah, yeah. We got to do this part. Are you ready? Yes. It's time for us to pretend like we have feelings and emotions. <laughs> Let's stuff our cynicism as far down as it'll go. Okay. Okay. It's not it's not going to work. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but we're going to try. <laughs> and let's recap the plot to the rom- hilarious <laughs> romantic comedy <Yeah>. Pretty Woman. <sighs> well, take it away. Well, you know how I mean, I, when I took my screenwriting classes, they always told you the importance of writing a really exciting first scene that really draws yeah. the audience into the story. Well, the people who uh-huh. wrote this movie never took that class. Nope. Because because the first scene is our hero, Edward, played by Richard Gere, uh, breaking up with uh-huh. his girlfriend over the phone at a big party. Thank God he moves around a lot or he just fade right into the background. Yeah, he, he's at a big party uh, that's being thrown by his one of his business partners, who is played by Jason Alexander. Uh, yeah, Stucky. Stucky. And he, he, his girlfriend breaks up with him because she never sees him. She says, you know, uh, I talk to your secretary more than I talk to you. And yeah. I'm not here to be at your beck and call. And he's like, all right, fine. We're broken up. And he hangs up the phone. And Maybe I'll figure out a way to fix that. Yeah. Hmm, you think? Maybe I can find someone who will be at my beck and call because I pay them to be there. Hmm. That's the perfect woman for me. <laughs> so, Edward Lewis, super rich millionaire guy. And and Mr. Personality. And he he walks out into the party after he's gotten broken up with. And uh, he finds his, his buddy, Stucky, and he's like, hey. Al Gore says, wow, that guy. <laughs> he's so. What a stiff. He's so charismatic. <laughs> if only I could have managed that kind of charisma. If I could have summoned that much personality, I might have been I'd president. I'd be president now. um so he goes he finds his buddy stucky and he's like hey i want to leave and my limo 
my limo is all stacked up with all the other limos from all the other rich people at this party. Oh, these white people problems. So I'm going to take... <laughs> I'm going to take your car, your fucking priceless uh, European sports car, your Loftus, mm-hmm. and I'm going to drive it. Lotus. Lotus. It's not a Loftus. Loftus. Lotus, whatever. It's a Lotus. You can tell, you, I don't know what a Loftus is. You can tell how much I care about cars. Um, You're a real gearhead. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I wanted to mention. Me, okay. Yes. I wanted to mention on this phone call where he's talking to his ex-girlfriend, she says goodbye and we hear a click yeah. and then he says goodbye <laughs> yeah. and then hangs up the phone. It's so poignant, isn't it? <laughs> It's so poignant. So he gets in Stucky's Lotus, I am told yes. that it is called, and uh, he can't drive a stick, but it's a stick shift. And Stucky nope. is like, hey, you can- We find out later why, and it's because, oh, guys, you're just going to really feel awful for the for, for Edward. He was born rich. Oh, he never learned about cars. And he's never learned how to drive. Doesn't that just oh. tug at your fucking heartstrings so, and and he also i guess because he gets dr- driven around most of the time he doesn't know where anything is so he can't even find his way back to his incredibly expensive hotel yeah so, he grinds the gears out of the out of the party yeah. and immediately gets lost but thankfully that gives us enough time for the awful credits yeah. set to awful music oh boy it sure is the 90s isn't it what a wonderful yeah. way to to take us back to 1990 to listen to mm-hmm. This great '90s pop soundtrack, but thankfully we we get to cut to uh, a hotel while this is happening while he's lost, right? Yeah, and I would like to point out that uh, Gary Marshall is a, a very subtle director. He's very clever. Oh, yes, and um, for those who wish to spot it, all of his subtext, the hotel where um, the sex worker character. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that we're about to meet lives has a sign out front that says hotel, mm-hmm. but only two of the letters are lit up on Wh- it. Guess which two of those are, Steve? Which 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 two? The ones that spell out <gasps> ho. <laughs> do Do you think he realized that ho is a colloquial term for a prostitute? Oh, I have no doubt in my mind. <laughs> the hotel. So now we're introduced. Yeah, we're introduced to Vivian. Not by, you know, getting to know her in any way, shape, or form. We just are introduced to shots of her body. Mm-hmm. You know, her, her her underwears and her butt. And, uh, well, I mean, it wasn't her. It was her, her body double. Her body doubles boobs and butt and stuff. And, uh, oh, guys, don't worry. You don't see boobs and butt. Just, no, you know. But this camera crawls all over her because that's the important bits. Her butt. And her boobs, and a close-up of her eyeball. <laughs> Those are the big three, really. You know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, what happens? She she gets she, out of the hotel. Oh, she has to sneak out. Yeah, because the the landlord wants his is collecting rent, so she goes mm-hmm. to where she keeps the money, which is in the toilet tank in like a, a little plastic soap dish in the toilet tank and she opens it yeah. up and oh there's not very much money left there's a dollar yeah she looks kind of irritated <laughs> so she sneaks out through the fire scope and goes down to the yeah, street in her in her best street her, walker yeah. uh, costume and she goes to a, a bar i guess that is wor- set to the tune of wild one yeah yeah because, you know, the director wants us to know that she's a real wild one mm-hmm. who likes the wild fun as we watch this person look like she's about to throw herself in traffic. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, because she's late on the rent and angry at somebody. But she's she's a she's a she's wild, a real, real wild, wild one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she goes into the bar and she finds. Uh, no, not yet. Because we have we have to punch this script. Oh, Steve, oh, sorry. With funny oh, stuff. Oh, right. There have to be there has to be street and humor, f- right? Yeah, and the street humor that they decide is Hank Azaria as a police detective. Yep. He do- don't worry. He doesn't do anything funny. Super hilarious. We found a dead sex worker in a trash <laughs> yes. bin scene. We found a dead hooker in a dumpster. Welcome to the movie, everybody. <laughs> And it, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, you mentioned how subtle the movie is. There's there's oh, there's yeah. a quasi joke where tourists are taking pictures of the corpse yeah. of this deceased sex worker, and Hank Azaria's character actually says, "I can't believe it. I have tourists taking pictures of the body." You know, just in case we didn't get it. Just in case when they said, "No, we're from Orlando," we didn't get that. Thing. Yeah. He said, "Where are you from?" The newspaper, and they said, "No, we're from Orlando." Oh, your tourists! <laughs> tourists are photographing the body. Get it? Yeah. So then she. I just explained the joke we just did. You know, jokes are always so much better when you explain them, don't you think? Hey, Hank, you're about a year away from The Simpsons, and then you're never going to exactly. have to work again. Just keep your head down, you're buddy. You're going to marry Helen Hunt. I'm sure you guys are going to get a divorce later on, but you're going to discover weightlifting. You know, you're going to build your body up. You're going to have a, a number of really nice cameos in some movies where you're kind of funny or just weird. But, you know, don't worry. I know you hate yourself for making this movie, but it's yeah. okay. Just keep. He can't hear me. <laughs> keep your head down and work on that Chief Wiggum voice, buddy. You're going to be just fine. <laughs> Okay, now we can go to the now. Room. Yeah, I for, I for, I somehow erased the Hank Azaria related dead prostitute hilarity from my memory of this. Remember, book. we have um, to establish without the the lead character being addicted to drugs just how awful it is to be a sex worker in Los Angeles. That's true. So we got to throw dead bodies at it, and then we oh, <laughs> that's too dark. We got to lighten it with some jokes. Oh, because it's the, don't worry, everybody. The dead the dead prostitute is funny. It's it's uh, a balancing act, and yeah. So then now she goes to the bar, and uh, it's kind of like, oh, look at dead baby, oh, but it's just like a clown. <laughs> oh, clowns are funny. Oh, <laughs> um, it's their parents are sad. Oh, oh, but they just slipped in some <laughs> diarrhea. Oh, <laughs> <poop> joke. <laughs> um, so <laughs> she goes to the bar. She <laughs> finds her roommate, her roommate Kit, played by Laura San Giacomo. Add, yeah. add her name to the list of actors just completely slumming it in this fucking piece of garbage. <laughs> well, no, because she's first starting out, so she's like, I got a role! That's true, that's true. Yeah, I guess other than what, Sex, Lies, and Videotape? What else had she really done at this point? Um, had she done Sex, Lies, and Videotape? Well, I thought that was point? before this. I thought that was like 1989 I think so, too, yeah. I think but anyway, so, so she fi- that's this is her roommate, Kit, and she's like, hey, why'd you take all our money? Because we need that to pay the rent so we can have a place to live. And mm-hmm. Kit's like, oh, I I needed it to 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 buy drugs for yeah for fun because drugs are fun unspecified drugs yeah and <laughs> and Vivian's like, but I don't do drugs okay mm-hmm. thanks for establishing that yeah and what are we gonna do now we need like they, I forget how much money they need they need like uh, you know two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars yeah to... how, what are we gonna do for money. Oh, wait a minute. That's right. <laughs> I just thought of something. So. Because <laughs> they don't have a pimp. Remember, That's they make, right. it, make it also very clear. We don't have a pimp. 
That's right. Because that would be a needless compass, uh, a, a needless complication in this light, frothy romantic comedy exactly. that we're doing about a about a sex worker. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you know, it just shows you. It tells you something about their characters too, doesn't it? They're independent contractors. They're meeting mm-hmm. the world on their terms. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, so they go out on the street. Because that's what they say, right? No, we don't. We, we make out our own terms. We do our own stuff. We do... You know, yeah, what, what do they say? We we say what, we say who, we say where. That Yeah, yeah that's exactly. Like the, how empowering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's Look at how empowered these women are living in a trashy hotel on Hollywood yeah. Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they go out and and they're they're on the street and a, like a car of you know frat boys drives by and and they're like hey baby it's my birthday can I get a freebie and they're like ha 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 nuts to you no freebies Take to you off. and then luckily uh, our luckily maybe our uh, our our hero comes back our our Edward Lewis still grinding mm-hmm. the gears in Stucky's Lotus. Comes, yeah, and, comes driving, and lost. yeah, driving around the corner. Just so happens, completely randomly, not interested in picking up a prostitute, but just so happens to pull up no. next to the the curb where Vivian and Kit are standing, because he's remember lost. we need to stress this. He's not interested in just picking up a prostitute. Okay, guys, and that's right. He's only he's all he is is lost. lost. It's completely innocent. Yeah, but he's obviously rich and driving an expensive car. So Kit kind of elbows Vivian and is like, go get that. We need money. Go yeah. get that. So she's like, okay. That. So she walks up to the door and raps on the window and he's like, help, I'm lost. <laughs> and, and she says, well, I'll give you directions for five bucks. And mm-hmm. he says, you shouldn't have to charge for directions. <laughs> Because he's rich, and I guess he he, uh, he would miss five bucks. Rich people are used to getting things for free. That's too. true. Yeah, I I, sh- I don't, shouldn't have to pay for directions. And she's like, "Well, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to pay me for directions." And he's like, "Okay, can you change a 20? And she just takes the whole twenty and gets in the car and says, "For twenty, I'll take you there myself." That's right. And then they're in the car, and she's really impressed by the car. She's like, "Oh, this is this, and you're driving like crazy person. You don't know what you blah blah blah." And um, oh, I I like this car, and this is a great car. What a wild, fantastic car this is! Yeah, she she knows it's not called a Loftus. That's right. And <laughs> and she's like, "Hey, how come you don't know how to drive a car?" And he's like, "Oh, because." Uh, my first car was a limousine, that thing we referenced earlier, and we're supposed to go, oh, poor guy. Poor yeah. I'm too rich to learn how to drive. And then Gear goes, hey, I got a great idea. I- I'm going to let this this sex worker that I just met drive the car. <laughs> he's, <'cause> he, <laughs> and seriously, why should he give a shit anyway? Because A, it's not his car to begin with, and B, he's rich. No, he took, so he who took fucking his cared? friend's car. Yeah. yeah. yeah who cares? He, said, he should have said, you know what? Wreck it if you want. Yeah. <laughs> So they, they trade places, and now she gets to drive, and she's all like, ah, this is such a great car. She drives him to the hotel, and there, and he's like, hey, thanks. And she's like, hey, no problem. And then he looks at her, and then he's like, hey, want to come up to uh, my uh, hotel room so we can fuck? He's <laughs> never said that way. No. he. <laughs> but that's what basically Pretty much, you know, yeah. Doing. Yeah. And uh, she goes into the hotel room, and she's like, oh, my God, look at all. Wow, this is so cool. Because right? he's in the penthouse. 
Yeah, well, yeah, as soon as he finds out there's a penthouse. Yeah. But uh, he says, I'm afraid of heights. And she's like, if you're afraid of heights, then why do you have the hotel, uh, penthouse? And he says, because it's the best. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that's me, Edward. <laughs> <laughs> I, did I, I fail to mention that I'm fucking rich? <laughs> we, had, uh, we, know, we also find out that once they get to the hotel room, he orders champagne and strawberries, and he doesn't drink. Right. right. Yeah. Right. He says, "I don't drink. I'm I'm kind of like Batman. <laughs> the alcohol is just for you, woman. Yeah, drink it." <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, he's like, "You, how much do you make cooking?" And she's like, "I make uh, it's a hundred dollars an hour." And he's like, "How much for the whole night?" And she's like, three hundred dollars." <laughs> really? That's, That's math? a hell of a discount. <laughs> That's a huge discount. So the whole night is ho- is wholesale, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh... And then we have a really weird scene where she goes into the bathroom and she hides something behind her back and Edward's like, what's behind your back? And she's like, nothing. And she's like, oh, I'm no drugs. I have a hard no drug. Me and Nancy Reagan, we go arm in arm. Just say no to drugs. And if you have drugs, uh, no, get out. And she's like, no. And he says, let me see what's in your hand. And she shows it to him. What is it, Steve? It's dental floss. Oh, my God. How can you live with the embarrassment? Uh. God. Holy shit. Obviously, that's why she hit it. Yeah, because she's embarrassed about flossing. I mean, you don't want the person who just picked you up as a trick (laughs) to know that you care about your dental hygiene. Obviously, (laughs) this is a no-no. So she wants to get the the stuff going on, but he's kind of like, hey, can we just, you know, I'm shy. Can we just talk or something? whatever right yeah and don't they end up like watching tv half the night she watches she she gets all the stuff out of the mini fridge or whatever and she's watching uh i love and i love lucy rerun and she says something that is the most unbelievable of all the unbelievable shit in this movie this is the most unbelievable thing in it you want to know what that what is? is it she says i've never seen this episode <laughs> Of I Love Lucy. She's never seen one of the most famous episodes yeah. of I Love Lucy. Her statement implies that she's watched them. She's seen episodes of them. But this most famous grape stomping exactly. one. One of. It's, it's like that's off. It's not the one where the TV breaks. It's the fucking no. grape. It's the vineyard episode. It's the vineyard. Aside from the chocolate conveyor belt episode, those two episodes yeah. are the two that are almost impossible to have never have seen. <sighs> yeah. I mean, if it was if Any- it was the one where like Lucy put too much rice in the rice cooker, you know, okay, that's not necessarily a classic. But uh, the one where she accidentally, you know. Hit little Ricky across the room. <laughs> I could understand why you didn't see that. Yeah, you know that's the one that's where not... Ricky nearly beats her to death. <laughs> no, sir. Tries to get Fred to bury her alive. <laughs> you know. I just don't I think this it. is right, Rick. Those reruns aren't in wide circulation. Yeah. They only appear in. Certain, you have to. Well, certain... you have to get the DVDs to see those. And then you have to input a special code. <laughs> they, there are parental locks built into those DVDs. And it starts with a creepy guy in a dark room going, Okay, you never saw these. <laughs> uh, but apparently, watching her watch I Love Lucy makes with the horny for Edward. And uh, just before they're about to you know, do the deed, after she takes off her top and her skirt and she's in her underwears again 
she's like, oh, by the way, um, there's no kissing on the mouth. I'll do everything but kissing on the mouth. And he's like, really? Anything? Yeah, uh, everything, just no kissing on the mouth. Blood play? Sure, <laughs> just no kissing on the mouth. I have a donkey in the other room. Fine, no kissing on the mouth. <laughs> I'm really into necrophilia, too. Yeah, and so they're about to go at it, and you're like, oh, goody, a sex scene. Nope. nope. <laughs> you just get to watch the, the the opening moments of what looks like a very uncomfortable blowjob from the expression on Richard Gere's <laughs> face. He's just kind of looking at it like, yeah, this is happening. Yeah. This is my life. Cut. And then we cut, <laughs> yeah, cut to him taking a shower, and then he walks in, and she's asleep, and he sees that she's wearing a wig. <gasps> she wears a wig! Yes, to disguise her. Everybody, yeah. To disguise her Everybody. gorgeous hair. <laughs> um, and then the next morning, he's having breakfast, and she comes out like a shy, embarrassed child, and acts like one up until she gets up to the table. Right? Yeah. It's a really weird scene where she seems like a like a like a. Rep- a shy repentant child or something it's a weird change in character for her and she snaps out of it it's because this time was different yeah she drops a, a thing that says that she uh, finished high school up until 11th grade or something yeah yeah and she's right. like from Georgia yeah, yeah. and then uh, Edward's like oh I do this thing where I buy struggling companies from the original owners and then I break them up and sell sell them and that's bad I think well it's basically what Mitt Romney does so it's basically what any business does you find a struggling business and then you pressure them to sell and then you buy the company and you sell all the separate parts of it's pretty straightforward business shit but in this movie apparently it's the most evil thing in the world because everybody's favorite grandpa Ralph Bellamy is the one that he's doing it to yeah well and you know the only legitimate form of business is manufacturing yeah the only legitimate thing is to make (laughs) that's what this movie says build thing um and she's like well how much is it and he says well I'm gonna buy it for a billion dollars and she's like a billion dollars holy smokies (laughs) and then he's getting ready for something and uh we find out there's another thing that he can't do on his own. This poor rich white guy. You know what that is? He can't. He can't tie a tie. He can't tie a tie. <laughs> poor guy. Without a dresser, I guess he just wanders around his apartment <laughs> waiting for someone to dress him. What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> and it's while she's taking a bath. Stucky calls and says, okay, look, the dude Morse, who we're going to buy this building from, he has all of this, what is it, a shipping business? Yeah. yeah he builds yeah. ships. He builds, he builds ships. Okay, that's the business we're going to buy. Um, he's agreed to meet you for dinner tonight, and you better show up with, uh, isn't this convenient? You better show up with a date. Yeah, so right, it's not so businessy, you know? Yeah, so you can, when you're telling him that you're going to take the company that he's that he built and uh, up and and was going to give to his grandchildren, and you're going to take this family-owned business and you're just going to tear it apart. It'd be nice if you had a nice-looking girl on your side so that you don't catch him off guard, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and he gets he gets a great idea. He's like, hey, I know. I'm going to hire this socially graceless sex worker. 
that I've known for eight hours to be my escort for the whole week, even though I only really need her for this dinner tonight. I'm just gonna hire her for the whole. Why not? Yeah, whole fuck week. it. Yeah, you sure. just keep her till the deal's closed, just in case. Yeah. yeah. So he goes in and he's like, "Hey, I want to hire you for the week." And she's like, "Okay, well, that'll be." Uh, then they negotiate for price. Yeah, it's riveting. It really is. Yeah, no, it's great. And they settle for how much? Three thousand dollars. Uh huh. And as soon as he leaves, she calls Kit and tells her, "Hey, I got money, and I'm going to put it, send it downstairs. You come pick up the money." And all this guy is loaded, and he's got so much. Oh boy, he's so rich, right? Super. Duper. Oh, and he gives her money. He gives her money to go. Yeah, a, to go shopping. Well, wad of sweaty cash to go shopping and pit, pick up something <laughs> to wear and then we get our first big montage mm-hmm. right yeah in Beverly Hills where she's walking around all the Beverly Hills stores you know like Louis Vuitton and uh Louis it's, it's Louis Vuitton another one of those. it's the only one I yeah. know of <laughs> And then she goes into an unnamed store because I don't think any any major fashion house wanted to be associated <laughs> with what they perceive of as being the villains. And she goes in and, uh, and she's dressed in her streetwalker clothes except she's not wearing her wig now. She's got long curly red hair. And she's looking around, right? Yeah. Now, Steve, if you didn't know her from anybody else, would you assume that she was like a low-rent prostitute? Nope. Would you think that, oh, maybe, hey, are, are you in the Bengals? Yeah, or something exactly. along those lines? It's you, Hollywood. She looked like a rock star. It's Hollywood, for fuck's sake. But these two bitches in, <laughs> in, the, in the store are kind of like, you're low-rent trash and we're not going to serve you. There's nothing here that you can afford to buy. Get out, you icky, icky, icky prostitute person. And she leaves. Yeah. And she's upset. Yes, she is. And she goes back. But thank. F- she goes yeah. back to the hotel, huh? and and she, she, they try to throw her out because they assume she's a prostitute too. Yeah. And she doesn't even know Edward's last name at first. She has to get the the elevator guy to vouch for her and say he remembers me. He remembers that I'm the prostitute that that Edward mm-hmm. Lewis brought up to his penthouse last night. And of course, the the hotel manager is Barney, played by Hector Elizondo. And yeah, Bernard. Bernie, Bernard. And at first, mm. he's a little harsh, and he's like, hey, you know, because she... Uh, he's businesslike. He, he's never... Rude. Yeah, he says, you know, things that happen at other hotels don't happen here. And, you know, maybe after you and Mr. Lewis's business is concluded, we don't want to well, see you. Well, he says, except that Mr. Lewis is super rich, so yeah. we're going to make an exception for That's him. That's right. But it turns out it turns out that, that Barney's kind of a nice guy. Because she, mm-hmm. she, he takes her into his office and she kind of breaks down and pulls out this like fucking basketball size wad of cash. Yeah, they may as well have handled it, handed the money over to a four year old because it's just this loose <laughs> yeah. thing of that she's just shoved it's it like, into her Okay, pocket. I know it didn't come out of his wallet like that. What did she do <laughs> to that money? You didn't even buy anything. How did that money get like <laughs> it looks that? Looks like she's trying to make it into a cat toy. It's, yes, it's just this gob of cash. And she's like, <laughs> they, I, he sent me out to buy clothes for a thing tonight and nobody would sell me anything in any of the stores and oh my god what am I gonna do and yeah and luckily she what she didn't know was that Bernard is a magic hotel man yes he is <laughs> he knows all of the fancy things that she needs to know yeah and he's and he's nice 
and he speaks, as near as we can tell from the movie, two different languages. We hear him speak Italian and Japanese mm-hmm. at some point in the course of this film. Yeah, that's right. He's he's a friend you want to have. Now, either this hotel lucked out and hired someone way more overqualified for the position of hotel manager, or their hiring standards are super high. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I know you want to be a hotel manager. We're just going to throw this hypothetical situation at you, okay? You ready? All right. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the richest guy in the whole world who has the penthouse has brought a prostitute back with him. She tries to go out and get her dress. She comes back because no one will sell her to her. What do you do? Go. (laughs) Um... Is she Japanese? (laughs) She could be. Why? While I speak fluent Japanese. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me something. Do you know everything about table etiquette for upper upper class people? Of course I do. <laughs> Are you sure you want this job? I feel uncomfortable just being in the room with you. I feel like I shouldn't look you in the eyes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like most of the places you go on a daily basis are places I wouldn't even be allowed in. <laughs> Well, long story short, uh, Bernard Pygmalion's the oh, shit out yeah. of Viv. And he sets her up with the the clothing department that's in the hotel. I guess, or maybe it's a it's a yeah. nearby department store or something. I don't well, know. Well, he calls and he says, I, can I get the women's department or the shop? Yes. He, anyway, yeah, he sets her up with uh, a, a fancy ladies' clothing store. And she goes and gets all the clothes, and then she comes back, and she's like, hey, Barney, thanks. Oh, shit, I forgot. I don't know what fork to use. So he shows... I don't know what forks are. (laughs) So he shows her, like, (laughs) dining etiquette. He he takes time out of whatever his actual job is to take her into the (laughs) dining room, just the two of them, and explain to her, Mm -hmm. okay, this is the shrimp fork, and this is the salad fork, and this is the dinner fork. Fuck these two people. Why can't we have a movie about Bernard? Good God. It is one of those cases where it's like you have this minor supporting character oh, who is way more interesting. We did, we did get this movie about Bernard. Oh, we did? It's called The Grand Budapest. <gasps> oh, yeah. And it is way better. <laughs> it is a way better movie. <laughs> I bet Wes Anderson watched this movie. But you know for a fact, said, I... Bernard belongs to the, that league of hotel managers that they, that they have in that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um... Oh, and then we cut to the business shit, which I didn't pay any attention oh, to. Oh, but you should have, because it's just riveting. Oh, fuck that. I, they're in a gray office building. They're all wearing gray suits, <sighs> and they're sitting around talking about how they're going to, you know, buttfuck the money out of this old man yeah. and then solve the thing. Yeah. They're all rubbing their greedy little mitts together, <laughs> and then some fucking thing happens that makes somebody concerned, and Richard Gere is still got a boner for Viv yeah. and he's like thinking about her. And this, isn't this where he, he calls her and she picks up the phone and he's like, don't ever pick up the phone. And then yeah. he tells her what time he's going to meet her for the dinner and then he hangs up and yeah. he calls her right back and she picks and up. And then the, playfully. Uh, no, he doesn't call her right he back. Ha- he has he the gets, fucking receptionist, the receptionist to it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that was almost a joke. What are we, like 45 minutes into this movie? We almost had a joke. <laughs> um and yeah. then he shows up at the hotel. He goes, and and Bernard comes up to him, and he says, "Excuse me, sir, but uh, Miss Vivian would like to tell you that she's waiting in the lounge." And um, then Richard Gere treats Bernard like he's a fucking servant. Yes. And I felt so awful for him because I like him so much more than Edward. <laughs> 
He's like, how come Bernard isn't the one getting the blowjobs in this fucking movie instead of this jackass? Because remember, he takes his card out of yeah, his pocket and he goes, and, and Richard Gere just blows him off and walks away without even... Just walks off him. without even saying goodbye. He's lucky <laughs> Barney didn't grab a hold of him, because I'm pretty sure Barney knows karate. I'm pretty sure Barney is Batman <laughs> at this point. Don't you ever turn your back on me, you son of a bitch. My name is Bernard. I'm the manager of this hotel. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes into the lounge, and he's looking around for her, and oh, what a surprise! Viv is pretty! What? But she's from the street. How can that be that this beautiful girl who was beautiful before changed her clothes and she's still <laughs> she's beautiful? She's still beautiful. Aww. I guess it's because we're supposed to think that Trashy isn't beautiful, mm-hmm. right? I guess. <sighs> okay. So, yeah. Now comes the best part, the thing that made me so happy when I saw it. We have the, the dinner with Mr. Morse and... Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> this is our this is our second consecutive film starring Alex Hyde White, Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four, which we reviewed in our previous episode. You know what's sad is that he got Mr. Fantastic after I, this movie. I know. I know. <laughs> this was on his resume. Oh. Um, but now it's time for business with um classy food hijinks right? yeah because i guess i, I guess viv, viv doesn't know what food and is she's not paying attention <laughs> because people are like sitting things in front of her and she's like who ordered this like <laughs> girl you're at the table <laughs> aren't you paying attention <laughs> where's the salad yeah. then comes less What's this? It's escargot. It is probably the most well-known French food ever. It's used as a joke every time (laughs) someone wants to make fun of French food for the last 85 fucking years. How can you not know what it is? Oh, and it's She's never seen I Love Lucy, so maybe she's never heard the escargot (laughs) jokes either. Um... And then, uh... While the business meeting breaks down because Edward is a business dick... Um, and then Morse and his grandson leave yeah. before Morse says, I'm going to, what did he say? I'm going to eat you alive. I'm going to. Yeah. He says something I sort of threatening. To, I'm going to take you from behind or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Rip out your heart. And then, maybe. I don't yeah. know. And then, uh, back at the, I guess back at the hotel room, Edward says, I don't get emotionally involved in business. Or with acting. <laughs> and then we find out that Edward has daddy issues. Yeah. Because <laughs> his daddy was rich, but he left he yeah. left them and took all his money. And then when yeah. you know, when Edward got grown up and he got rich, and the this third company he took over was his dad's company. <laughs> yeah, and then he didn't talk to him for a long time, and then his dad now died. Now his dad's dead, and he likes it that way. That's right. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go downstairs and play piano in the empty lounge for the employees. Yeah, because he does that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she goes down there wearing a bathrobe because you do that in hotels. In a, yeah, in the world's fanciest hotel. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he wants to have the sexy times, and he tells everybody to leave, and takes their word for it that they're all just not huddled behind a curtain. Right, exactly. He doesn't sweep and the room then, or anything. 
And then uh, we start to see that maybe they're going to have sex on the piano, but no, we don't see that. This, either, this movie is too classy for that. I guess. it's It would be in poor taste. <sighs> yeah, and then uh, the next morning, he's like, here, take my credit card, person I've known for two days. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure you <laughs> won't go, just leave town. <laughs> go buy some more clothes. And she's like, well, I tried to do that, but the ladies were mean to me. And he's like, oh, well, it's time for us to get some revenge, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'll go shopping with you. To make her feel better. Yeah. Yeah. And he has a line as they're walking down the street that says, stores are not nice to people, they're nice to credit cards. And then they go into a store in which he says, quote, I want to spend an obscene and offensive amounts of money, and hey, everybody pay attention to, to... Vivian, yeah, because I'm making her feel good, and oh, I gotta go to work. You keep going, and uh, Larry Miller is like the the guy, the lead guy at this shop, and he's the only funny thing. In the tr- goddamn, movie. he tries, he tries so I'm hard. Like Larry Miller, why do you give your gold so freely to people? <laughs> <sighs> but now we get another one of these shopping montages. Mm-hmm. To music. Yep, because the first one was so much fun. Yeah, and this is where we finally hear Pretty Woman, right? Yeah, yeah, because you know it was coming. Yeah, <laughs> and then she goes back dressed up in all of these hoity toity things and she rubs it in the women's face. And hey, look how much money you could have made off me. Ha ha! You suck. Yeah. And then we cut back to Edward. Who? Oh no! Edward is having doubts about what he does. Oh no! He liked building stuff with like Legos and shit when he was a kid. And you should always do what you like to do as a child. Yeah. Now look at him. I like throwing rocks into a creek. I wish I I should have gone into throwing rocks into the creek business. <laughs> Why couldn't I have made that my life? I wanted to be a fireman. <laughs> Why didn't I become a fireman? I liked watching TV and playing with my Star Wars action figures. How come I can't do that? I wanted to be a uh, a fastball pitching switch hitting home run champion. <laughs> I said, why can't you be a pitcher and a slugger at the same time? I'm going to do that. But yeah. I didn't. Now I just do podcasts. Oh, now we have a... <laughs> now we have a... Uh, sexy times in the bathtub oh, yeah. where Richard Gere acts like a human sensor bar <laughs> so we can't see her naked in any way shape or form because he's a little bummed and she's like hey I have $3,000 I'm here to make you feel better and then we get even more information about Edward's backstory which I don't give two squirts of piss mm. of but we keep getting yep. it every five goddamn minutes we learn more and more about this boring motherfucker who I can't stand Ugh. But that's okay because we cut to something else, uh, something more fun, which is polo. <laughs> Fucking. Uh. <laughs> you know they're rich. Who cares? They're rich, and that's what rich people do. They, they play, play polo. Okay, it's a yeah. rich person sport. And he's taking Viv to the thing, and to the polo thing, and everyone meets her, and they're like, "Oh, you're really nice." Oh, and she sees a. Uh, uh, Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic. Again. He's playing he's really nice. And I'm like, Viv, you should go after Mr. Fantastic because he's really nice and friendly. He doesn't have to work at it. He's just nice. 
He works with his grandpa. How much nicer can you possibly be? Right? Have you seen his grandpa? It's Ralph Bellamy. Come on. What are you hanging around here for? And not mean Ralph Bellamy from Trading Places. Nice Ralph Bellamy. Cuddly, almost done Ralph Bellamy. Yeah. So, uh... Stucky sees her talking to Mr. Fantastic, and he's like, uh-oh, she's a corporate spy, because, you know what, uh, 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 what's his name, lead character, Edward's been acting all weird, and, he, and he's not been making the hard, gross decisions that he usually makes, I, I think she's a spy, and I'm gonna go and say, hey, I think that girl is a spy, how'd you meet her, what's the lowdown, and then Edward, stupidly, so stupidly, says, oh no, don't worry, she's a She's a sex worker. I picked her up on on the street. Yeah. Instead of you, saying I met her you, at a the restaurant, slimiest, <laughs> grossest person I know. I'm telling you this, Stucky. You gross pill bug of a human being. I'm telling you this. And immediately, what does Philip do? He walks in a in a what I'm sure is a perfectly straight line, <laughs> straight over to Vivian, and he's like, "So, you're a prostitute, huh?" That's nice. When you're done with Edward, come and fuck me. Oh, my wife's calling me. Bye. <laughs> I'm loathsome. Uh-huh. So they get back from the polo thing, and Viv is upset, right? Yeah, she's like, did you have to tell the worst person in the world that I was a prostitute? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm sorry. But now that I've said I'm sorry, the fight is over. Well, no, remember, she says, just give me my money, I'm leaving. He gives her the money, but then she leaves the money on the bed. She's not taking the money. That's right. She's not his property. That's right. And she's leaving, then he comes out and he says, I'm I'm so super sorry. I was jealous because I saw you talking to to what's-his-name. Uh-oh, love feelings. And uh, (laughs) as we've learned, apologies make everything better. Right? Absolutely. That's how it is in real life, right? Because they immediately have some more off-screen sex time. Yep. And finally, we get some backstory on Viv, right? Finally. Yeah. This whole movie, up to this point, all we've gotten is a bunch of fucking backstory about uh, this boring asshole. And finally, we're going to learn something about Viv. And what do we find out? Viv has guy problems. She wound up in Los Angeles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and she met uh, her friend. A bunch of jerks. And then she met her friend Kit, and she made being a prostitute seem like so much fun. Yeah, and I cried the first time, but then I got over it. Okay. (sighs) Well, now now we're all filled in on who Vivian is. Yeah, oh, but Richard Gere has decided to make things up to her. And she comes out in this super expensive dress. Yeah. And he's borrowed a piece of jewelry. Yeah, that costs a quarter of a million dollars, and he's going to put her on her private jet. They're going to go see the opera because he likes opera. Yes, he does. Of course, because he he's, does. He's not a stereotypical f- fucking rich person yet. He's got to love opera, so hey, they go up. He's San sensitive. Fr- come on, whatever. They come up to San Francisco to watch La Tra- Traviata, right? Yeah, convenient. <laughs> <laughs> it just so happens that that opera was playing. Yeah, well, it had so much to do with the storyline, too. Wow. Um, How weird. <laughs> I go up to see the opera, and he says, Hey, look, there's two kinds of people in opera, about opera. People either hate it or they love it. If you love it, then you're one of the good ones, and I like you. If you hate it, you're garbage people, and you deserve to be in the garbage. <laughs> are you, are you better not be a garbage person. Okay, watch it and and 
Make up your own mind. <laughs> <laughs> and surprise, surprise, she really likes it. Yeah, she didn't understand a word they were singing about. She never consulted. I don't think this was before they had the little translation underneath it, because it was all in Italian. And then they go and play chess Yeah, when they get back. That's what you do after the opera. Yeah, without changing your clothes or anything. Yeah, you sit right down and start playing chess. Exactly. And uh, then she says, hey, you need to, You should take a day off. You should take a day off. Not work all the time. Because that's the other thing we haven't really pushed is that he's always working. He's yeah. on the phone or doing something. He also says he never sleeps. Right? That's the yeah. other thing he says. Oh, I, I just never sleep and stuff. I'm hallucinating really bad right now. <laughs> I'll be dead in a matter of days. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know you were walking into an early version of leaving Las Vegas, did you? Well, yeah, I've, except with this, it's just I just refuse to sleep until I die. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, what do they do on their day off, Steve? What What amazing things do they do? Oh, oh boy. this rich guy. Yeah, they go. What they go get a hot dog, right? Yeah, and they do. And what else do they do? They I can't remember. They they lay in the park they lay, and yeah, read Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they go to a diner, right? They go to a diner, and they eat some food. It's a montage. It's another yeah. fucking montage. Of course it is. And, and then they go back to the hotel room, and then they start mouth kissing. <gasps> but she said she doesn't do that. That means love or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then she says it. She says, I love you. Well, after, in the in the, in the the cuddling. Oh, and by the way, this sex scene is nothing to get all worked up about. No. It's like through nine different things. <laughs> it's like behind the, be- the bedpost, and then Richard Gere is covering up most of her body. There are people who literally get excited over the fact that Julia Roberts has a little tiny, little bit of a nip slip. But, I mean, you yeah. have to, like, really slow the damn exactly. down. You need to be going frame by frame to see that. <laughs> and then you don't even actually, there's no sex involved. It's just kissing and rolling. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a real sex scene. So don't, don't, guys, don't, don't bother. It's a love scene. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> next morning, Edward's like, I want to set you up with an apartment and car and money. And how does Viv react to that? She's not too thrilled with that. No. What realistic thing does Viv want? I. She wants. She wants the fairy tale, Jason. She wants the princess. She wants to. Package. Yeah. Because she, when she was a little girl, she was up in the attic, and she would dream that some prince would come up and rescue her, and that's yeah. what she wants in her real life now. Yeah. Uh, to be rescued. To be rescued by a handsome prince. Uh huh. And, and I guess that means marriage. I guess. It, I tell you what, it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean the prince setting her up in a nice place to live mm-hmm. and giving her some money. That's not part of the deal. Yeah, that so was not kind part of, of her fantasy. And Edward's not ready for that. And he's kind of like, I never treated <laughs> you like a prostitute. And she said, You just did. And um, I was like, I think I'm fairly certain that the first time you treated her like a prostitute is when you paid her to have sex with you. <laughs> yeah, like three or four days ago. <laughs> <laughs> or the time you offered her money to be your escort for the week. That's, That's yeah. Does that not yeah. count? 
Yeah. So then Kit Show finally shows up. Yeah, she finally shows up to get her money. Yeah. And uh, she's all like, hey, you fell in love with him. And she's like, yeah. And she's like, well, why did you, why, what's wrong with you? He's got money. Let him set you up. And she's like, tell me one time where it's ever worked out for someone like us. And then, because the screenwriters, producers, and director think that we have not caught on to the stupid overriding metaphor for this fucking movie, one of the characters actually has to tell us out loud what it is, what it all is. Do you know what that is, Steve? What is it? It's when Kit says, oh, I, I know someone who where it worked all out for us. She's like, who? Cinderella. <gasps> That's kind of like this movie, though. That's a little Shut obvious. Up. Don't. Don't play with them. Why would Don't they? even. Don't give them the satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now we got to cut back to more business garbage. But that's the heart and soul of this film. Don't you understand how deeply rooted Edward's character arc is in this yes, business I know. story? It's so important. It's very important. And he shows up and he's like, everyone get out. I want to talk to Mr. Morse by himself. And Stucky's and... like, even me? Yeah, get yes, the Stucky, fuck out, you. Stucky. <laughs> Go get a job for the New York Yankees. And he's <laughs> and he's like he's like, uh, hey, I don't want to buy your business, I want to help you. I want to become a business partner. And this is a very frustrating thing. And it's just I mean, the screenwriter here definitely went to screenwriting. Great screenwriting one oh one. In which he says, he lays all this change of heart out. I want to help you. I don't want to buy you out. I want to be your partner. And Mr. Morse says, why? Hard cut to the lobby where <laughs> everyone else is just kind of wandering around for about a minute. And, you know, 30 seconds. Cut back into the room. And now they're talking about other stuff. I would like to know why. Wouldn't you like to know why he had a sudden change of heart? This the heartless mm. businessman millionaire. It does. Seem Wouldn't kind that of be important. cool? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is the lead character and all. Could it be that the reason we don't get to find out why is because the writers didn't know why either? <laughs> <laughs> Say, why does he change his mind anyway? I don't know. Egg. Fuck it. Just skip it. Exactly. <laughs> So now we cut back to the hotel room to the greatest scene in the film because it sure as hell needed to be in there, didn't it? Oh, is this the the really icky, violent scene that adds yeah. nothing Stucky, whatsoever? Stucky, okay, explain to me how this works. Uh, Richard Gere, after he meets with Morse privately, invites Stucky back into the room and says, hey, go over with him. This is in your hands now. Finish this all up. And Stucky becomes upset because the papers aren't signed and it looks like the deal that he originally wanted where they buy the company and blah, 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 and they make millions of dollars isn't going to go through. And Richard Gere just walks off, right? Yeah. But somehow, Stucky concludes business with Mr. Morse and beats him back to the hotel. Yes, right? Stucky concludes the completely brand new deal <laughs> that they just came up with talking five minutes before. That he hates yeah. and has a bunch of problems with. But he makes it back to the hotel room and he's upset, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's like, what did you do to my friend? <laughs> Stucky's getting upset! <laughs> what did you do to my friend? I blame you for everything. Um, I'm angry and gross. And now it's time for me to try to rape you. Oh, that's just what this movie needed, isn't Just it? like in Cinderella, right? 
Exactly. Yeah, where the where the handsome prince's scumbag best friend tries to rape Cinderella. You know. Because we needed that scene in the goddamn movie. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, Richard Gere shows up, right? Yeah, and he's not happy. What does he do? He punches Stucky. And he says, you're bad, and you're not my friend anymore. And You only liked me because of the yeah, money. that's right. You never really loved me for me. <laughs> Meanwhile, Vib's like, maybe someone should call the police because he hit me and yeah. tried to rape me. <laughs> nope. A crime has been committed. No, no, I guess it's okay if he just leaves. Edward should have been like, police are for poor people, Viv. We're rich. This is how rich people handle things. We punch each other and kick each other out of our penthouses. <laughs> that's right. I don't even say you're fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So wait, technically, I guess I still work for you. Can you imagine the following Monday at work where oh. he's got a broken nose. <laughs> hey, Stucky, what happened? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Viv is still leaving. Yep. Oh, really? She, yeah. <laughs> Why is she still leaving, Steve? Um. Because he has friends yeah, who you're having come a hard her. time figuring that out, aren't you? <laughs> because he has friends who come home and hit her and try to sexually assault her. <laughs> That's not the only reason. No. You know what the other reason is? Well, what is the other reason? Because just like every other Disney princess, she wants more. Oh, that's right. She wants more than to be somebody's somebody's girlfriend. Yeah. She doesn't say marriage, but that's kind of what I think is I, implied. Yeah, I guess. And Edward's like, well, sorry about your luck. Get the fuck uh-huh. out. And again, genius auteur, Gary Marshall, who really knows how to direct a film, hmm. said, hey, our characters, the characters are sad. I know how to convey that. Rain. <laughs> <laughs> so now there's a sudden rainstorm in, in L.A. Yeah, it happens. And, uh, yeah. And Viv is is back in, in the ho, or the <laughs> hotel. Yes. And she's packing to leave. Because she's going to move to San Francisco because she'd been there once on a Learjet. And <laughs> she she's going to get a job and get her GED because she never graduated from high school, right? Yep. And now we come to the last act of the Magic Hotel Manager. <laughs> After this scene, he happily goes back into his manager's office and performs seppuku. Yes, his, his work is done. <laughs> his job is done. <laughs> As Richard Gere is checking out, he's like, hey, may I look at that necklace that you borrowed? And Gere's like, sure. Sure, nameless, faceless drone worker. Yeah. Go ahead. Who are you again? <laughs> and he looks at it and he says something like, oh, it must be very difficult to lose something that is this beautiful. Hint. Hint, I'm leaning way in now, and I'm looking at you with my eyes. Do you know what Please, I'm saying? Please, I know it's hard for you to see servants, but you need to see me now. <laughs> I'm standing on your foot. Look at me. Look straight ahead. Tell me you grok what I am saying. <laughs> what? Just say you grok it. I, I grok it? <laughs> Great. Your driver took her home. He knows yeah. where she lives. You understand? <laughs> Driver. Oh, you mean the man that drives me around? Yes. Yes. Not, not the man who ties my ties. No. <laughs> the man in the car. <laughs> oh. 
Okay. And so now we get what, Steve? Well, it's time for the unrealistic fantasy ending. Yeah, he he stops off. Edward stops off on the way and buys some flowers. Mm-hmm. And then Viv is up getting ready to go. She said goodbye to Kit and Kit has left because Kit hates goodbyes. Yeah, Kit hates goodbyes. So Viv is conveniently all alone in her room. and Kit doesn't want to leave her life of prostitution and drugs and <laughs> yeah. being able to pay rent. And, yeah. And She's... Carlos, who gets name dropped several times in this thing, who I think is like a proto-pimp yeah. or a pimp or something. I don't know. He's trying to break into pimping. Ah. You know? He's a, he's a pimp in training. Mm-hmm. Um, Viv is about to leave her hotel room when what does she hear? She hears a horn honking and then she uh-huh. hears opera music playing, and it's from the opera they saw in San Francisco. La Traviata? Oh, yeah, and and then we cut to the exterior, and the car is not even like anywhere near the building yet. <laughs> <laughs> but sure, she heard the horn and heard the music. Uh-huh. And what color is the car, Steve? Because metaphors run fast and thick right now. Isn't it white? Yep, it's white. <laughs> and and Edward is standing up out of the sunroof. That's right. And Why? Because the rain has stopped. Because our characters are happy now. Yeah, because that's how it works. That's right. That's that's. You can tell it's a great piece of art, really. Mm-hmm. And and he drives up, and he says something dumb like "Hi, princess, I'm here" or something. Yeah, I'm Bru- here. And she's like, "You have to come up." And he's like, "But I'm afraid of heights." Remember that? He doesn't even say ago? that. He doesn't even stop. <sighs> he doesn't even act as if that's a thing. He's not Jimmy Stewart in Vertigo. He just hops out of the goddamn limo <laughs> okay. and scrambles up the fire escape for her. He acts like he's a little trepidatious once he gets up there. Whatever. Fuck <laughs> him. I don't care. Oh, goody think, gumdrops. The I, rich white guy got the girl he wants. I think Richard Gere may have remembered that his character was afraid of fights, and he was the only person on the set that day. He was <laughs> like, Gary Marshall was like, of what is he doing? What, what, why is he acting that way? He's afraid of heights, Gary. We established that in like the first scene. I don't remember that. Uh, just, oh, fuck it, we're almost out of film. Just tell him to do it. <laughs> just tell him to do whatever he wants. <laughs> and then they they love each other. Yes. And then they kiss. Yeah. And everything is fixed. Everything is awesome. Edward has overcome his fear of heights. <laughs> and he's worked through his daddy issues. Viv is going to be a rich, waspy white wife yes. to a rich dude in Manhattan. And world peace is declared. And Jesus comes back. And Stucky is one of the 98% of sexual assault perpetrators <laughs> who will face no punishment for his crime. That's right. It's a happy ending. How- how do we close out this movie? A homeless dude, I think he's homeless. I guess. Talking on the street, saying, Welcome to Hollywood. What's your dream? And I thought, I don't know, a romantic comedy that doesn't make me want to rip my brain from my fucking <laughs> skull? I was thinking, my dream's about to come true right now, buddy. <laughs> Just waiting for that final fade out. Credits. Ah, there it is. <laughs> we don't even get a fade out. It's a, it's like a pan over because we, we uh, focus oh, that's on right. the the guy and it was like hey i like what that guy is saying at the bottom the guy's improvising it well we he was walking out of shot how do we focus on him i know let's do a really awkward pan over and then slide to the right and then credits and then fucking the end (laughs) fuck it (laughs) gary let's just end this movie (laughs) okay steve Mm mm-hmm 
what are your thoughts on the classic film Pretty Woman? Um, I mean, I didn't care for it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Here's the thing. I don't know what it was about watching it this time because (sighs) as chance would have it, I had, I I watched this movie maybe a year ago, two years ago, something like that. Why? I I forget. I don't, I don't remember. Fever dream? Yes. I don't think I was in control of my faculty. Did you lose a Bet? What bet. the fuck? I would no. I was um. I was trying to quit drinking, so I played the spot the black person <laughs> drinking game, and I knew I wouldn't have to drink anything when I watched this. There's movie. only two. Yeah. Um. No. Um. Th- it's just so goddamn boring. I mean, I think of all the things about this movie, and I, for for whatever reason, this didn't occur to me when I watched it whenever that last time was. But watching it this time, the thing that kept coming back to me over and over again as we watched the movie, and yes, there's so many other things wrong with the movie that we'll talk about, but the main thing to me is I sit for two hours and watch this movie. I don't give a shit about anything that happens. It's not funny. Mm-hmm. There aren't even really jokes. It's not. It, it's nope. not even like it's a failed comedy. It doesn't even try to be a comedy. Comedy. There aren't jokes. It's not funny. It doesn't have a comic tone, except for the fucking but Larry Miller so scene. she's socially awkward in yeah. the, the Richie Mucky mug. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but the movie doesn't even seem to think that's funny. I mean, <laughs> and it's just so dull. These fucking interminable scenes in that fucking boardroom where they're talking about taking over Ralph Bellamy's company and then him and Jason Alexander and the other guys in the office having all these talks about, oh, the the company just got naval contracts. We better call the senator and get this deal, you know, stuck in appropriations. But Jesus Christ, who fucking cares? (laughs) This is half the movie. We're all supposed to identify with Edward, I think. I guess. But, I mean, it's just, it's boring, it's pointless, it's not funny. You know, the the major character uh, moments are so telegraphed and formulaic that they don't matter. Like, do I, am I, is it really that big of a deal that they wind up together? Did I really not think that was going to happen? Was that suspenseful? Probably, they can do formulaic because the premise is so, you know, off-kilter, rich guy and a prostitute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just not, I mean, watching it the last time, I just remember kind of just being like, eh, whatever. But this time it kind of made me angry. Like it was like, (laughs) because because, it's not that it's that bad that it made me angry, but it's so unremarkable, like in every way and Uh and boring and just unlettered and, and unaccomplished. And yet it was such a fucking massive hit. And I kept thinking to myself, like, why was, what was it about this movie? That mm-hmm. that made this like one of the films that sparked the the you know the uh, return to romantic comedies in Hollywood. I just I don't because get it, it made a shit ton of money. I know, but why? But why? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get it. Well, okay. Here is one of the reasons why I don't like romantic comedies all that much, and that's mainly because they're seldom ever romantic and they're never funny. <laughs> But, um, hey, I'm going to ask you this question. Okay. What do you think this movie was really about? Oh, Jesus, it was really about something? Yeah, I <laughs> I saw it clearly. Oh, okay. It was, it was strung throughout the entire film. Um, being rich makes poor people better. Mm, kind of. <laughs> it was uh, just a whole lot of money worship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. From top 
to bottom. I, I I went through my notes and I wrote down the number of times where money, talking about money, money uh, astonishment at money, astonishment at what money can get you, and all of that other stuff figured in to this script. And mm. it is almost from top to bottom highlit by every single key thing that happens. Um, the opening line of this movie that is said by the magician at that upscale party. Do you know what that opening line is? I care. Cause remember. I went back to double check. <laughs> what is it? No matter what they say, it's always about the money ladies. Oh, that's, that's the opening fucking line. That's again, that's the subtlety. Mm-hmm. Of this so filmmaker. what do we have? We have kit whose major motivation at the, at the beginning is money. She needs to get money for rent. And later on, she wants money to get out. Um, there's tons of money talk. When she sees his car, she's constantly talking about how what a sweet car it is, blah, blah, blah. Oh, this is such a f- fantastic... Do you have any idea of how great this this money is? When she enters the hotel, she's astonished at how ritzy and, mm. and glamorous everything is. Of course, he has the penthouse suite, and she gets googly-eyed at that. Oh, look at all the money here, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yes, well, I, I'm scared of heights, but of course, I have the penthouse because... It's the best. Oh, let me order champagne and, and strawberries, because that's what, that's what rich people do, right? <laughs> that's what they do. Then they have a money exchange in which they talk about money and how much this and how much is that going to be and, 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 and all this other bullshit. Then it's the whole uh, a billion dollars thing with the how much money he's going to spend on getting this this you know this business they have an exchange in the car in which she says, "I never joke about money," and he goes, "I'm exactly the same way." <laughs> It's just money, yeah. uh, m- talking about money and money worship. The first montage when she leaves Beverly Hills is a money worship montage where we go from one high, we see the outside of one high end shop to the next high end shop to the next one after that. She's walking through the middle of the fucking street in Beverly Hills, surrounded by pastel colored rich white people. And this is supposed to be some wondrous Shangri-La. <laughs> <laughs> and it just keeps going all the way through that. The, the, the business dinner with the, with the class hijinks, right? With yeah. how she doesn't know anything. Oh, we're eating at the Voltaire, oh. which is a high-class you know, high restaurant. You better go and buy that. The fucking fantasy date where she wears a dress that probably costs more than all the money I've ever made in my entire life, <laughs> wearing, you know, they make a point to make sure that he says, well, how much was this? And he says, it's a quarter of a million dollars. And she says, a quarter of a million dollars? Holy shit! How does he get revenge? How does she get revenge on the women in the in the shop? Oh, yeah. She shows up and says, oh, look at all the money you didn't get because you didn't serve me. At the polo grounds! Where the rich people go out and kick the divots. The the announcer's like, kings and queens used to do this. We're awesome rich people. Yippity, yippity. It's just rife through the entire fucking thing. Yes, there's the Cinderella thing in there, too, about you know Cinderella meeting her Prince Charming and blah, 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 blah. And that's how that one of the executive producers says, well, I want to re- reimagine it as Cinderella. Oh, yeah, I work for Disney. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you get that idea? Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it's... 
it's one of these movies that just pours on the uh the the money porn, right? Yeah. <laughs> While at the same time pretending at this whole but it's not really about the money. It's all about it's all about love. Love is love is the thing. We can't I mean there is no reason why Viv wouldn't take him up on on his offer. Right? Yeah, she right. she 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 is a sex worker, and she doesn't like being one. And a guy comes along and says, "Hey, I'll put you up with an apartment. I'll get you a car. You'll have plenty of money. You won't have to worry about anything." And she's like, "No, why? Because I want marriage now. <laughs> I guess, yeah. even though that's never really said." I mean, I I don't find this movie boring. I find it frustrating and awful, and I hate it. And I hate the messages that it puts out there. I especially hate the fact that if you think Julia Roberts is the central character of this movie, you're wrong because we find out almost nothing about her yeah. throughout the entire film. Of the two people who have the more interesting storylines, which one's more more interesting? White guy who's been rich his whole life, or? person that somehow has wound up doing sex work in Los Angeles. Which one, whose backstory do we need more information on? I'm going to go with the sex worker, Jason. Uh-huh. Yeah. But guess which one we get? We <laughs> just get bucket loads of, oh, this poor guy, his mom was a music teacher and his daddy and blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care how this walking jar of fucking cinematic mayonnaise is having such a horrible life because he's goddamn rich. And this is, and and I understand romantic comedy comedies are fantasies, okay. I don't think that there are there are maybe a couple of of romantic comedies out there that are more a little bit more realistic. But for the most part, they're just they're just fantasies. But this yeah. one is pushing every goddamn fantasy button it can possibly find. <laughs> and I remember when this movie came out, people were saying the message in this isn't really good, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, if you find a man. Keep him, especially if he's fucking rich. I, I would have respected this movie more if he just said, I'm out. I'm selling all, here's all of my money, goodbye. And he takes off all of his fucking clothes. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to, and he shows up. Well, what would Viv do if he showed up? He is penniless. Yeah. <laughs> I've given it all up for you. Can we walk around barefoot in the park and read more Shakespeare? <laughs> According to the rules of this movie, she would have to accept them because love triumphs over everything. Yeah. But that is not what this movie. This movie is te- is selling one message while pushing another one, and those two don't work out. Those don't two don't work together, and they do cartwheels in this script to try to make them mesh together, and it doesn't work. It's almost as if there were two separate screenwriters working at two separate ends to get this movie to tie up at the end. <laughs> Do you know what the original ending for this story was when it was a drama? What was it? Edward kicks her out of his car and throws money on her. The end. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) The original reason why Vivian wanted the money was because she wanted to go to Disneyland. Aww. I mean, there was... The original idea for this movie was extraordinarily dark. I have no idea how anyone looked at that script and said... Hey, you know what would be great? If this was a romantic comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, like Rock Hudson and Doris Day. And how many garbage 
imitations of this have we gotten oh, where God. it's a rich guy and maybe not a prostitute, but a rich guy and a maid or yeah. a rich guy and s- some woman. <laughs> <laughs> that's really all you need. A rich guy and some woman. That's your These romantic fan- comedy starter kit. This fantasy fulfillment where the woman will only, it seems like in order for the fem- women in the audience to be happy, the guy not only has to be, well, I can't even say that because the Richard Gere character in this movie is as boring as fucking shit. He has no personality, no real sense of humor. He's not charming. The only thing he has is 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 buckets of cash, and kind of a oh well. He has he has deeper depths to him because he's got daddy issues. He's not happy. And apparently mommy issues <laughs> and issues. He's one. You know what it is? He's what I like to call the uncomfortable millionaire, which doesn't exist. <laughs> yes. The uncomfortable millionaire in movies who I have lots of money, but I'm not comfortable about it. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you need to be going to therapy for that. Not for whatever the fuck happened with your dad. <laughs> You need to be figuring some of that out, okay? Well, remember, he said he spent $10,000 on therapy to learn how to say he was very upset with his father. That's yeah. another line he had in there. Yeah. So, in the end, when I when I look back at this film, I'm really hoping that in 20 years, no one's talking about this fucking film. That no one's like, oh, I remember Pretty Woman. There's still a fan base fucking for I it. I know. Not only did it infect us with Julia Roberts, it infected <laughs> us with 25 fucking years of goddamn romantic comedies, and I can't think of a single one since this movie came out that was any good. Yeah, no, not not of this type. Yeah, none of... I mean, there have been movies that you could, uh, you know, categorize as romantic comedies that I've enjoyed, but of this, like, sort of a classic, you know, romantic comedy type... Uh, no. It's, Wait a minute. What romantic comedy do you think is good? Um, there are mo- well, there are movies that I that you might call romantic comedies. Like, oh, is this going to be in your recommendations? <laughs> no, no. Actually, my recommendation is a classic romantic comedy. Um, oh, okay. No, but like, like, uh, like Five Hundred Days of Summer. You know, uh, I mean, that's a good movie. It's not like a you know a, a formulaic by the numbers romantic uh-huh. comedy, but there are elements of romantic comedy in it. You know, movies like that. Okay. That works. Yeah. I'll buy that. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, this runaway bride shit. No, forget it. <laughs> My best friend's wedding and all that. You know, like, <laughs> just, Let's just pass on the whole thing. Uh-huh. So, I mean, in the end, we have a boring protagonist. We have um, a, a boring um, Julia Roberts portrayal. I mean, she's supposed to be the quirky. She's... She's the magic prostitute. Yes. You had the magic you had the magic hotel manager, but she's the magic prostitute who is perfect for this guy, but he doesn't realize it. And you know I can't help but think that if you had been a sex worker and you had been working on the streets and you were doing this kind of stuff, how you would feel walking away from it would be like, Oh yeah, what a great fantasy or would you be pissed off? Yeah. <laughs> Because they they try to interject some of the darker things like drug use and and women who get killed, but they're just kind of thrown in like things that happen, like oh there was a traffic accident on on the I five you need to take an alternate route. This one's like oh there was a hooker found in a dumpster, so maybe you might want to rethink your life choices. Nah, <laughs> nah, that's okay. <laughs> 
And some people might say, well, you know, Viv tried to get her friend to come with her to go to San Francisco, but she didn't want to go. So she, that means she's a nice person. I guess. Okay. <laughs> Everything in this movie feels like a construct. None of these people feel real. No. None of the motivations are clear or or make any sense at all unless they're driven by money. And at the one opportunity that they had to really inform us as to what was going on inside of Edward's head and why he's had this sudden change of heart, they do that bullshit cutaway thing and we never find out what it is. Right. We cut immediately back to... to uh, Morris sucking this guy's dick in gratitude for being such a nice guy and said, I'm very proud of you. I think that's a noble thing you did. Aren't you great? <laughs> You're a good man. Fuck you, movie. <laughs> Alright, I'm done. My blood pressure's up. No. I wanted to be romanticized and I didn't get it. <laughs> I wanted to be comedic and it didn't no. happen. Nope. <laughs> so now it's time for recommendations. These better be good recommendations, too. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Okay My recommendation Is actually A romantic comedy That I That I really enjoy um, From about 40 years before Pretty Woman <laughs> So uh-huh. It's an older movie And yeah. um, It is a movie That I do actually Think is funny And I also think Is very romantic And just a sweet Wonderful film And it is The classic Romantic comedy directed by William Wyler, starring Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn, Roman Holiday. Um, Movie that inspired five million more. Yeah, yeah, it did sort of. I hate the whole genre, dude. It unleashed. It did unleash a lot of imitators, but um, and it all. Hello, I'm ninety years older than you. And it was also. It was. It was also. It's historically significant because this is one of the films that Dalton Trumbo worked on while he was blacklisted. So he actually Uh, co-wrote it uh, and didn't get credit until many, many, many years later. So Um, which one of them gets crucified at the end? Is Gregory Peck or is yes? Exactly. <laughs> I'm Joe Bradley. I'm Joe Bradley. I'm Joe Bradley. I'm Joe Bradley. Uh, yeah. No, so it's it's uh, Audrey Hepburn plays a princess who decides that she wants to see what Rome is like for just a normal person, not like a member of royalty. So she sneaks away from her country's embassy and she ends up mm-hmm. meeting up with uh, Joe, played by Gregory Peck, uh, who is yeah. a reporter. And they have nice a nice little romantic adventure in Rome uh, while she's sort of on the lam from being rich and, and royalty. And it's uh, one of the best romantic comedies I think you'll you'll ever see if if you want to find even if you're a really jaded anti-romantic comedy person like me maybe not jason uh but <laughs> but but me uh i think you'll still find things in, in roman holiday to enjoy i uh i still really really enjoy this movie so that is my recommendation if you want to rinse the taint of pretty woman away uh, i don't want pretty woman's taint <laughs> i don't want any part of her she's not even pretty <laughs> Tell her to just tell her to leave me alone. Um, I recommend Roman Holiday. There you go. Yay! I was originally going to recommend the other movie that officially kicked off the whole mm. romantic comedy craze, which was when Mary had when Harry met yeah. Sally. A better movie. Which yeah, it is a much better movie because it's funny. <laughs> it has jokes and stuff. 
Yeah, and it also followed a, a couple's relationship from improbably young, because you never believe Billy Crystal is ever young, yeah. to, you know, I guess middle age. These people are supposed to be the same age. You never believe that. No. But um, I'm going to actually just go to romantic. Because <laughs> fuck it. I don't fuck romantic comedies. Fuck them. I like When Harry Met Sally, but I don't think of that as a romantic comedy. I just think of it as a comedy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to recommend... Uh, a movie that came out in 1995. A movie that actually has a sequel, which is weird for movies like this. The movie I'm going to recommend is Richard Linklater's Before Sunrise. Ooh, good movie. Which is about um, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, who are these two college-age kids who meet um, in Paris. And uh, they form this connection between the two of them and uh, I can't well fuck it I'll just tell you the whole thing why not so you won't be upset at the end <laughs> but he's leaving and they kind of pretty much fall in love and then he leaves <laughs> <laughs> the end we basically just follow him around Paris they have conversations whatever and you actually believe that these two people are actually forming a really really Really, really deep connection. There was a sequel to this called uh, uh, Before Sunset, right? Yeah. That came out. Um, but this one came out in uh, 1995. Um, it's considered a drama romance, but it's still a romance, but it's also a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge Ethan Hawke fan, so it takes a lot for me to like tolerate him in a film. I tolerated him pretty well in this. <laughs> so if you have, if you have a feeling, watch two people uh, find romance and then split up at the end of it, and they're okay with that, and you're okay with that, then screw it. Before sunrise, because yeah, it's awesome. There you go. Let's never do another romantic comedy, <laughs> please. We've done our duty. Please. Oh, I know. I know what we can do to wash this out of our hair and face and teeth. <laughs> what? On our. This is the heads up to all those people who want to make sure that they've seen the movie that we're about to review. Because we promised that we'd start doing this, right? Yeah, We as, as of last time. Yeah. So, next episode, the next movie that we're going to review, we're going to make a abrupt about face. <laughs> huh? Huh? <laughs> I and get it. And we're going to... Enter another genre that we have not comp, uh, we have not done yet here on the show, war pictures. Mm, boy, and we're going to go to the granddaddy of all war pictures because after we've seen a movie we can't stand, we have a tendency to watch a movie that we really like. <laughs> we run back home, but who knows? Maybe on this rewatching we'll find flaws and we'll wind up hating it's it. Entire, you know, it's possible. It's entirely possible. So we're going to go all the way back to 1930, mm -hmm. and we're going to review All Quiet. On the Western Front. Guys, if you are going to watch this movie before our review, do not watch the remake that came out in 1979. No. Or you're going to get confused. D different movie. <laughs> different movie. <laughs> 1930, All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, hey, and guys, if you guys have suggestions for movies that you would like for us to review, please go to the Let Me Listen podcast website. Go to the contact page and leave it for us there. We love getting them. People have been sending us stuff all the time, and it's super awesome and great. There are so many movies that we have that we can review. Right, Steve? Yeah, there's so many movies we can review. Or even better, if you've been a fan of the show and you've noticed that we have been missing a genre. Ooh. 
um, because I've been trying to pick up genres that we have not done. If there is a genre that you think we have not covered, please send it to us. We've been trying to cover every genre out there, and I've noticed that we've done a lot of sci-fi and fantasy yeah, and superheroes. That's right. <laughs> we we want to be a movie podcast and not just a sci-fi superhero podcast for nerds. Yeah. So even if it's a genre that you think is going to push us out of our comfort zone, <laughs> me and Steve like it. Yeah. We like being uncomfortable. Right, we, Steve? I, it's being uncomfortable, paradoxically, is one of our favorite things. That's right. But don't make up a genre. Don't say, I want you to do nudist zombie Italian porno genre. That's not a genre. Please tell me that's not a genre. No no Bollywood snuff films. (laughs) Okay, that's it. Do you guys hate us now? Is Pretty Woman your favorite movie? Did you have a wedding based on Pretty Woman where your husband drove up poking out of the top of a white limousine carrying an umbrella and a, and a, and a bouquet of roses. Oh. And then you walk down the aisle, listen to a pretty woman. And then, uh, he, the best man tried to rape you on the altar. <laughs> Cause if you're going to do a theme wedding, you need to get it right. You need to go all the way. Don't half-ass that shit. If you're doing a pretty woman one, oh. you have to have a polo seed. <laughs> You don't have to have sex in a bathtub and also in a lounge. So when it comes time for the... What what were you going to say? And you need to have Alex Hyde White there. Call him. I'm sure he'll do it. Oh, I'm sure he needs the work. We're the first Alex Hyde White fan club. (laughs) Can't we do another Alex Hyde? You know, he he did a murder she wrote. Maybe we should do that one next time. No, it's not a movie. I know. I said out of our comfort zone, not completely <laughs> abandon the premise. We're gonna just chuck the format out the window completely. <laughs> Fuck it. Today, today we're gonna review the Cheerios commercial I saw yesterday. <laughs> okay, that's it. Uh, from late seating, this has been Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives, and you and I are such similar creatures, Jason. We both what? screw people for money. How did you know about that? Ah, uh, never mind. <laughs> I had those police reports repressed. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't for money. Uh, uh, I knew all of them. They were close friends. <laughs> those I were, mean, they loans. were my uncles. I mean, <laughs> those, that wasn't quid pro quo. Those were just loans. That's right, and I get real thankful, and I give out hand jobs for it. <laughs> Is that a crime? It shouldn't be. I call them thank jobs. <laughs> It's really awkward at Christmas time. <laughs> but, it, but it really cuts down on your shopping. <laughs> Here, I made something for you. Unzip, Grandpa. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know what everybody's getting. <laughs> we need to end the show before it gets even raunchier. Okay. All right. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. This show is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to contribute as little as $1 a month to help fund this podcast, please visit our website at www.lemmelistenpodcast.com and click on the Patreon logo. If you can't, or just don't want to, no biggie. Late Seating is a Lemmy Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Let Me Listen podcasts at our website at www.lemmelistenpodcasts.com. 
You can also find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes under Lemmy Listen. Please like and leave a review. And thanks for listening.